people with dementia may not be able to follow verbal instructions, but since we talked about the body language, mostly they will be able to imitate what you are doing. So if you say, do like I do, and then, you know, melodramatically raise your arms and, and then they will join yeah. you. Welcome to Golden Topics, which are personal discussions with a variety of professionals on critically important elder issues. Hi, my name is Miri Hoffman. I'm a mother of three, a gerontologist, and an attorney specializing in elder law. My focus is helping senior citizens to stay in control when they reach significant junctions in their lives. I am a member of STEP, which is a global society of trust and estate practitioners, I lecture on estate planning and I write on various sites about the relationship between children and their elderly parents and the daily needs of the intergenerational family. These podcasts are personal discussions with a variety of professionals and are intended for anyone who is interested in being enriched with knowledgeable information regarding significant crossroads for seniors. Let's get started. I hope you enjoy it. affects everybody, I'm sure, and affects people with dementia as well, and maybe differently. And the idea behind this conversation is to know how to handle the situation that we're in with the people, uh, with our loved ones or people that we know that have dementia. And Dr. Dana Peel graciously agreed to discuss this uh, issue with me this evening. It was something that we just decided on the spur of the moment. So thank you very, very much, Dr. Peel. I really appreciate it. Dr. Peel is a gerontologist. She's an OT and a dementia care specialist. Um, why don't you start, Dana? Okay, so sadly, tragically, we are in this situation and we are totally unprepared for everything that's going on. And I think um, it's important to discuss how to handle ourselves and how to cope with all that's going on, especially in the context of dementia, which is challenging on every day of the year. And some days are more challenging than others, but now even more so, and the anxiety is very high. And if it's high for me, it's high for the person with dementia also, and how I behave as a caregiver greatly affects what is going on in the house, how they feel, how they perceive the situation. So what I want to do is give some recommendations. Um, I'm gonna start with what things that you should not do, but fortunately it's a short list. And then we'll go on to things that you can do and you should do. I believe in being proactive rather than telling you don't do this and don't do that. So I'll just go ahead and start with Perfect. that. And if there are questions or something, We'll talk, we'll, we'll discuss this later. Okay. So the number one thing that has been uh, the recommendation for everyone, okay, not just for caregivers, but for myself as well. And my son just left for going to the army, he was drafted this morning, um, is not to watch TV all the time, not to be on the news, to get an update like every few hours or so, not to have the TV on all the time. I think it's really important in the context of dementia because people of dementia, when you have the TV on all the time, the same clips are running over and over and over. And I know that because my memory is fine, let's say, but 
they don't remember that. So for them, seeing the same people fleeing or the same people with guns over and over each time, it can be a new experience that is terrifying. Okay, so I think not to have the TV on all the time, not even on silent. Okay, even if you, when you do have the volume on, mostly the people are shouting at each other or cutting into each other, uh, trying to get out what their message is. So if possible, I would have the TV off most of the day, um, only for short periods of time, turn it off. If you feel the need to be in touch all the time and to be updated constantly, try to do it on the phone, which is smaller and not in the middle of the living room. And people, the person with dementia will have a more difficult time seeing that. But like I mentioned, what we've been been, um, been told by psychologists, by therapists that in the past day or so is like, you gotta get out of there. You cannot be in there all the time. It is not good for our mental health. It makes us feel we're in control as if we're participating somehow in what's going on, but it's not true. And it is affecting us in a very negative way. So it's the first thing I would say, get out of the TV. I have been practicing this myself, even though, like I said, my son was drafted this morning, so my anxiety is quite high. Another thing I would suggest, especially in the context of dementia, is do not give out too much information. The person with dementia is not going to remember or retain the content of the information that you give. They may remember there's something anxious, okay? Something is um, happening that should, their anxiety level should be even greater than it was 10 minutes ago. And they're not going to remember what you said. So only the bare minimum of information that has to do with actions. Okay. We need to go to someplace. We need to get out of the house. We need to go here. We need to do this or whatever. And really to the bare minimum. And in a minute, I'll just also talk about how to convey this information. Um, also, like people who live in the South, but also now in the North, which is also sadly heating up, as they say, um, there are going to be alarms. The alarms are not over. Also in Tel Aviv, in Yerushalayim, in Rishon LeZion, we've seen this in the past uh, day. So you should have a plan what to do when the alarm goes off. Okay, we all should have a plan but we don't need to share this plan with the person with dementia who is not going to remember it anyways. And then being upset with them that they don't remember, but you told them what to do and they're not doing it. That's just gonna make you more irritated and anxious and just negative all around. So sharing the plan of what to do is not something I would do with a person with dementia, even if you think they're in the early stages of dementia. It's not a relevant, uh, contingency plan that I would do. Those are the things I wouldn't do. Mirit, you wanna ask something? I can just, one thing, I think also if we can mention the horrible, difficult videos that are been coming up now recently, I actually would recommend nobody watches them because yes. it's not doing good to anybody. And I'll cut kama to people who have dementia who really are not gonna understand what's going on. It's petrifying as is. I also have, I have three boys at the moment. So um, I don't watch any of them. I, I, it's I, not I, do I, any good to me. I'm sure it's not gonna do any good to the person who has dementia. I completely agree. I think I mistakenly 
fleetingly saw something and it's been haunting me. So I am not watching it because it's not good for my personal, for my mental health. It's definitely not good for a person with dementia who can feel uh, develop paranoid delusions after watching something like this or hallucinations. And that is not something that we can get rid of later. Okay, this is very like, it's the grounds for making things much, much worse. So do anything you can to avoid the graphic clips or the graphic pictures. It's not gonna do any good. It can only do much, much harm. So we want to definitely what, what you're suggesting, I totally support this. Okay, I'd like to continue and talk about things that we should do, okay? How can we do this? Um, like I mentioned before, when we do want to have a plan, if we need to do something, we want like to move from one place to another, whether it's inside the house, you know, from the room that we're in the living room, we have to go to the mamad or the whatever it is, the, the stairwell, the bathroom, whatever has been designated as your safe space when there's an alarm, the what do not, do not say it in, well, there's an alarm, we it's dangerous here, we have to go somewhere else. Instead, try to practice in your head how to say this ahead of time. It will be something, okay, we have to go to this room. We have to go to the bedroom. Not, do not, like, my point is trying to avoid words like not safe or dangerous or uh, something that could hurt us or some, something bad will happen to us here. Spin it off, okay? And this takes, I know, a lot of practice. I've been doing this for a while, so I, I can do this easily, but practice it in your head. Say, we're going somewhere else. Doesn't have to say, say, say even say the word safe. We're just gonna go to the living room. We're going to, sorry, to the mamad. We're going to the bedroom for a few minutes, okay? And if you have to move for whatever reason, because you know some places people are moving from the south to the to the um, to the center, from the north to the center, fine. But I would not try to spin it as it's dangerous here. We have to go somewhere safe. But rather, it's this is we're going. I'm coming with you. We're going together. We'll be safe. That's it, okay? You don't have to say this is really dangerous, the, the terrorists are coming, there's gonna be alarms. Don't get into all the information around it. Try to use positive language as much as possible. A, because you're gonna be saying it over and over again, okay? It's not like, a, it's dementia. You're not gonna say it one time and everybody's gonna, oh yeah, let's do that. It's, it doesn't work that way. Even if you're in the safe, the space, the safe space where you're staying, you're gonna have to say, we're in a safe space, we're staying here now, later we'll go there. Keep saying it's dangerous, it's dangerous, it's dangerous. They're not gonna be willing to leave that safe place. Okay, and if you're in the stairwell, you have a problem then getting them back into the house. So I would emphasize now we're in a safe place or we're going to a safe place rather than saying it's dangerous to do that. Okay, because we have to stay here. Okay. And the answer to for how long is I don't know, we'll see, okay? As long as we need to, not more than that, because even if you give like a time frame, I don't think the person with dementia will really remember or be able to you know, relate to a certain time frame, like, oh, 10 minutes, five minutes, because we know that the sense of time uh, changes in dementia. But even more important than what we say is how we say it. The number one thing that a person dementia picks up in communication between people is the body language. Our facial expressions, 
our tone of voice and our hand gestures, okay? So if you want to direct a person to go somewhere, use your hands. Don't just say, go out, go left, go to the bedroom. Show them where it is, point in that direction, move your body in that direction. And yes, if we're irritated, I know it can be extremely difficult to smile. And it's so important, okay? Because that they're gonna pick up on, even if they don't understand a word that we say, they're going to pick up on the body language and that's what they're going to imitate. And that's what they're going to do as well. It's called an emotional contagion. Okay. My emotions, they can catch on, they can catch on it and they're going to catch the emotion that I convey with my body language. So I want to be very conscious of how I'm doing it, not just what I'm saying. I'm assuming it's the same with every leader. If you were in the same space like your boss, let's say, take it somewhere else, and he needs everybody to go somewhere, if he shows a positive or even just concrete words without showing too much emotion, people will do the same. If he gets all hysterical, people will act the same. So this is the same idea. Exactly. Yeah. In a way, each of us is a leader in our own home. Exactly. It's our own private group. We're leading them. Even if it's just one person that makes it a two, we're a group. Yes, I agree. That's true. But for people, you know, that are like designated leaders, they have like this mind frame. But when it's just me and the person of dementia that I'm taking care of may not um, be thinking that way. And I really like the metaphor that you uh, proposed. Think of it in a way as like, you're the boss of the situation. This is your team. You have to take care of them. You're leading them. Right. It's a really good way to think about it because it makes us like remove ourselves, like, you know, a step back. And right. how am I going to lead the team? Right, right. You remove yourself maybe a little bit emotionally from the situation. Mm -hmm. Try, try. It's very much easier to say it than to actually do it. So much. Mm -hmm. um, especially at two o'clock in the morning or whatever, when you hardly know what the hell is going on. But I think, yeah, that was, a, that's what is probably the best way to portray it. Mm -hmm. And the, the next part of that would be to practice calming techniques for yourself, okay? Because sure, I want to calm the person with dementia, but first of all, I have to calm myself down. Now, saying, I'm sure everybody knows that, saying to somebody else, calm down, dementia, no dementia, doesn't matter, it never works. You know, you don't say that. All you do is get people more irritated. So what does work, what we know works is deep, breathing and I know people are like no I'm not into yoga new age and stuff and it has nothing to do with yoga it's physiology plain and simple okay it's called vagal technique of breathing you have we have a vagus nerve which is one of our cranial nerves that goes right into the brain but it's all over the body it's the longest nerve we have in our body and it goes through our throat, around our, uh, through our throat and into our digestive system, even all the way to our feet. And when we breathe deeply, then the vagus system, the vagal nerve is um, active and it calms us down because we have two, let's say nerve uh, branches of the nervous system. One is the fight or flight mode, which we all know of freeze, which is basically what's going on outside. And the only way to calm that mode, that part of the nervous system is to activate the vagus nerve, to bring it all down. And the easiest way to bring the, to activate the vagus nerve is to breathe deeply. 
also will work laughing, singing, humming, gargling water, because like I said, it work, it passes through here. Anything you do here to change the vibe will work, you know, just to activate it. But deep breathing, which is like a deep breath through your nose, like you're smelling a flower, like, and then a deep breath out, like you're trying to blow out the candles on a birthday cake, like, when long and make it loud and noisy, that's what works. And I do have to say, you have to do at least four of these, probably more, but I'm saying the minimum is four before you can say, yeah, it doesn't work. You have to do at least four to six um, and that works. And it's not a matter of whether you believe it or not, it's physiology. That's the way the human body, the human brain works. So I highly recommend, if and when we are feeling highly anxious, very, very frightened, concentrate on the breathing such a way it works. Now in dementia, this will also work on the person that you are taking care of because people with dementia may not be able to follow verbal instructions. But since we talked about the body language, mostly they will be able to imitate what you are doing so if you say, do like I do, and then, you know, melodramatically raise your arms and, and then Breathe they in. will join yeah. you, right? Right. That's, they will join you. That's excellent. That's excellent advice. And you know what? Even if they join you and then get the giggles, then we've done it as well. So <laughs> that's great. Giggling is wonderful. Exactly. The we've accomplished, accomplished the, the mission. So yeah. Exactly, right. It's Excellent. to get us out of the fight or flight mode and, and it works. Okay. And I mean, especially in dementia, because you know, if I talk to my son and I say, okay, take a deep breath in and take a deep breath out, you know, it, it works just by giving him the verbal instructions when he has like a, an anxiety attack or something. But with dementia, it's not going to work. So it's important for us to do it and it will help us calm down and help the person with dementia that we are, that is with us to calm down. It's like the best thing that you can do. So I really recommend remembering Excellent this. Advice. Really great advice. Thank you. Okay. So a last, the last few things I would want to say, uh, point out is, well, going outside is good if you can. Okay. If possible, it's difficult. It's challenging. I know, but getting sunlight through our eyes is very important for our sleep-wake cycle. So if you can go out in the morning, that's the best time to go out to get some sunshine. It makes us feel better, again, at a physiological level, okay? It doesn't matter whether you believe what I say or not. I have science behind me. I only bring things that are been scientifically proven. And the uh, exposure to sunlight in the morning is very important for sleep at night and for our mood and for the vitamin D that we all need to have uh, being activated. So we have a lot of sun. Today was kind of cloudy. It still counts. Turns out you don't have to have this direct sunlight, even if you just go outside when it's cloudy. Try to get some time outside. It'll be good for you. It'll be good for the person with dementia. Um, a lot of people have been mentioning that it's really good to keep a schedule. And I totally agree. But if the person with dementia does not want to get out of bed, they don't have to get out of bed. Okay. Like a schedule is a great idea. But if it doesn't happen, 
don't lose sleep over it. Don't get upset about it. Don't get uh, nervous about it because it's good to have, but it's not something you need to have. And if you're constantly pushing them and bickering and fighting with them, get out of bed, go here, do this. It's just making things worse. So let it go. Like I highly recommend having a schedule. It's great. It's not working. Let it go. It's not a big deal. And the last point, also something like this would be food. Let people eat whatever they want, whenever they want, wherever they want. Like this is like sort of advice I often give in regular days with dementia because, you know, people prefer sweets, let them eat whatever they want. I need comfort food, okay? They need comfort food. You need comfort food. Everybody needs comfort food. So trying to eat healthy is not part of my agenda these days. Who cares? Okay, now we know that this war is gonna take a while, but it's not gonna be forever. It's gonna pass. Things will get much more stable. They will change. We'll get back to some kind of normal. Don't know what, but there will be some kind of normal. So then we'll get back to eating our regular healthy diet, okay? But right now, just eat whatever you want. It doesn't matter. Right. It's not something that you should, you know, argue about. Use, you know. Exactly. Just mm. let it go. It's such a non-issue at this point. I, I really wouldn't be worried about it. It's really great advice. I have some questions. What about if you, I'm just trying to think if I take the leader position that I was talking about before, if somebody says, I'm really afraid. And you say, you know what, I'm afraid too, but we're going to be together on this or something that sort of, is that also a good idea to share your feelings with them? Definitely. I think sharing feelings and feeling that people feel that they're not alone in their fear is very important. Um, especially for people, old people who have been in this country for many years, They've been through several wars. I myself have been, I'm only 50. I've been like through two, two wars that I was here and that I remember I was here for the Yom Kippur War, but I remember nothing because I was a year old in the hospital. They threw me out because they had to bring in the wounded soldiers. So I've been there. Um, my mother remembers that, obviously. I don't. But the people, the people, Israelis who live here for so many years, we have experience, okay? We know what it's been like. We know what it's like. This is different, but a war is basically high anxiety, for a while and I think if it's possible, I would try to allow them to comfort me, okay? If you don't you know, ask, okay, what what is your experience? What, what did you do before? What helps you? How can we get through this? Things like that, okay? Because um, I'm sure, People remember what happened in uh, the Second Lebanon War in 2006. Okay, so what helped? What happened? What helped us then? What made us feel better? What kind of experience do you have? And obviously, not everyone with dementia will be able to share their experiences, but I think a lot of them may be able to give some sort of um, sharing that what they did do. I remember I was working in a nursing home at that time in the Second Lebanon War, and we were very stressed out, <laughs> the staff. And all my residents were like, ah, it's a war, don't worry about it. We'll get through it somehow. And like, really? Everybody was, you know, the people, the old people were like, yep, been there, done that. 
don't worry, it's, it's hard, it's difficult, but we'll get through it. We've been through this, we'll be through another one. Um, and in a way it was comforting for us because you know, you say people, okay, this is not, sadly, it's not the first time, it's probably not gonna be the last time, um, but you say, okay, people have been through such ordeals and they've come out through the ordeals. They can give you something that you don't have yet. They have experience that we don't have. So oh, does it not give them some sort of maybe sense of control when they are the ones comforting you? Yes, definitely. Helps them sort of feel, okay, I'm in control of a little bit of the situation because I'm actually doing something for her. Usually she does the opposite for me if they remember it all. Even the word caregiver puts the people that we are taking care of in a place of accepting, of being the ones who are constantly receiving. Right. And generally in life, we all like to be in the position of giving. Right. I'd rather be in a position where I give to someone else rather than have to accept or receive something from them. And I think allowing for those moments even of changing the roles a bit, that the caree, it becomes a person who can give something. It, will, it does good for the relationship and it does good for the persons themselves. So if you can encourage that, I would. Okay. And is there something you can tell us about if there's, let's say, a, home, a, a foreign worker um, in, the, in the proximity at the home together? Is there something that you would like to say that we as the caregivers or the family members should know how to deal with or should say something to him or her? Is there something that we should, I don't know, inform them of the situation, explain what's going on a little bit so that they know how to handle it as well? Well, since we, we speak Hebrew and we can get the information from the news, the regular TV news, and let's say it's pretty much reliable information. The English speaking channels, I am going to give them mostly credit, but I'm no, not sure no. how reliable no, the no. information there is, or how up to date it is. Um, I would recommend that families that have foreign workers who are very probably very inexperienced and scared and frightened, and it always looks the worst from from abroad. I'm sure their families are hysterical, you know, and panicking and talking to them and tell them get out of there and you got to leave the country. Like it always seems the worst from far away, and much much worse than it seems to us when we're actually here. I think the families of the people that with dementia that are being taken care of need to be in contact, in touch, and several times a day via text messages or whatever to bring up to date, to ask how they're doing, to see what they can help and what can they what they can assist, what the foreign worker needs, uh, what can make them feel better. You know, it, it's just it's just like such a terrible situation. Even my parents used to live in the U.S. And, um, and there was an intifada, the second one, and I was right in the army. And they were hysterical. I was like, it's not that bad. Why are you so hysterical? But it always looks much, much worse from far away. And Israel looks very, very small on the map. So everyone thinks that everything is going on at the same time, but it's not that small. Right. So I'm sure that the families of the foreign workers are very, very concerned, very worried and calling them or maybe uh, pressuring them to do something or to go here or not go there. 
and it's it's very challenging to be between these um, pressures. One is the side you have to help the caregiver, you know, the person that you're giving, you're taking care of, the, the person with dementia. On the other hand, your family is hysterical and telling you do this, do that, and like you, you're like caught up in both different directions. You don't know really what to do, and the families here of the people with dementia really do have a responsibility to try and alleviate those tensions and that pressure. Okay. And the last thing is just from small personal experience that I had today at the supermarket. Um, I think some physical contact is always good, like a hand on the shoulder or a hug or some sort of comforting physically wise, I think that would help even with people with dementia. They, I think they need that as much as anybody else does. I agree. I would be careful with where, okay? I would not necessarily go with a hug or a hand on the back because that might surprise them. And when a person with dementia is surprised, the chances of you getting hit are much higher. Okay. Um, so always approach from the front. And I would suggest a handshake. Start with a handshake. Okay, just put your hand out for a handshake. And if they take it, that means you can come in closer, you know, and maybe touch them on the, uh, I, I always say between the shoulder and the hand, that's the safe space. Everywhere else is, I'm not sure what they're feeling at that moment. We have right. to be careful. Okay, so definitely not on the head or on the back, like I said, touch this area, the shoulder to the hand. And when we do that, um, they're deep touch, okay? Um, deep pressure is better than light. Like don't, you know, like caress them. That's not so good. Uh, more like a massage. Just, just put your hand and hold it there, but be careful not to squeeze your fingers right. close around the hand, but to use this part of your hand. Okay. This is the part that gives the pressure because right. we tend to do like that and that can cause them, their skin oftentimes is very fragile and it can care, tear the skin. And we didn't, we did the opposite of what we wanted to. So if we do want to give some sort of deep pressure, which it really does calm the nervous system, then we want to be sure to use this part of our hand and not our fingers. Okay. Just even if you just, you know, like this, like this, it's good enough. Okay. Well, that's good. I didn't know that. So that's very good. Well, anything else, Dana, that you'd like to share with us? I just hope things um, get back to a stable environment soon. Thank you for listening to another episode of Golden Topics. I hope you enjoyed it and that it provided you with important information. Do not forget to click and subscribe to Golden Topics so that you can stay updated on my upcoming podcasts. And of course, please share and invite family and friends to listen so that they can also benefit from the information discussed here. You are also welcome to visit my website, www.lawmirit.com, and to follow me on Facebook for more information regarding intergenerational estate planning and the various needs of the elderly population. I'm already waiting for you with my coffee in the next episode.